Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch, the show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And we're back after a hiatus. Um, I was busy doing something um, that I don't know what, and David was in the wilderness for hmm. a while. Um, <laughs> so down bad when not seeing a movie that he logged a nature documentary that played at a park that he went to. <laughs> Come David, on. Well, about what day did you start just getting the itch where you're like, I haven't been on Letterboxd. I haven't even, I don't even know what movies are on streaming services. What's going on with my life right now? But how long into the trip did you reach that point? It was like Friday. So we left Sunday after church and like I hit Friday. I was like, oh my gosh, I've not even seen a movie in the longest time. And we were at a, a state park before that and we watched like a little, you know, 15 minute documentary. And I realized like once the lights went low and all that stuff, I was like, dude, I've not seen a movie in a while. And I actually, I looked that up and it wasn't the grand portage story was not on letterboxd oh, uh, or I would have logged that as well. Um, but yeah, dude, the, the, the split, split rock lighthouse documentary was definitely better production wise. And, uh, Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't one too shabby. I was I was intrigued. Was that was that a Tarantino joint or Wes Anderson? Like I don't I just don't remember who directed that. It's actually Robert De Niro's third directed oh, film. Okay. It's, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. After The I Good Shepherd, he kind of went off into a little nature side and so Yeah, yeah. he's like what's better than a, The Good Shepherd? Uh a lighthouse. I hey. guess. But not the lighthouse because that's a very different film, I would imagine, than the absolutely one you watched. Um, In literally every way, yeah. Well, except for one, I guess. But the lighthouse part, yeah, yeah, yeah. that that part, that part's pretty similar. Uh, So no, no mer people in this one, no, no. Uh, But some crash ships and some and unfortunate deaths that you know led to the funding of this lighthouse. Yes. Okay. Well. Well, that's good. Um, so, David, we're halfway through 2023, pretty much mm. already. It feels kind of crazy. Uh, this year feels like it's flown by. Uh, and, and you know, I was looking back at the movies that I watched whenever we were trying to come up with an idea for this show. And what I got to say is I'm kind of disappointed a little bit. And it's not even that the movies haven't been good because I've seen some films I really like this year, but the volume of films and is not where I normally am at this point in the year. And I don't know if that's just maybe I'm not watching new releases as much anymore because I have been making conscious efforts to try and, and dig into past films that I might have missed. But I just feel like there's not enough options. Like there, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of movies coming out. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think before I would even go as far, maybe even before Guardians of the Galaxy, but for sure, you know, across the Spider-Verse, I think it's very slow. I mean, Creed 3 dropped and there was Scream, John Wick, but I think we're going to, I think that's going to start picking up though. And I think we're going to get into that. But with Guardians of the Galaxy and then Air came out and now Spider-Man's out. Um, you can throw a Super Mario Bros. movie in, but it, I guess it has been in theaters for quite a bit. I think, though, it's going to start picking up. I feel like uh, 
June and July is going to be like the craziest movie, two movie months mm-hmm. that we've had in a while. Cause there's just so mm-hmm. much happening. And not only is there high quantity, the expectation for high quality is there as well. And I think for most right. of the films that'll be there, you know? So I do understand what you're saying though. It's like, Oh, knock at the cabin or Ant-Man quantum mania, you know, like, yeah. Or, or cocaine bear, you know? So it just feels like we're missing some of the middle I think, which is a kind of a, a common thing in, in movies nowadays. It feels like we're either getting really bad direct-to-streaming movies, like the movie I watched on Apple TV Plus this past week, which was just one of the most abominable things I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. and Or like these big, tentful, like even, even movies that I'm choosing not to see in theaters, like Super Mario Bros. or the live-action remake of The Little Mermaid, which I have no desire to see. It feels like that's the only option. Shazam, you have like a flash. direct to streaming. Yeah, like you have these bad, like very critically panned CGI filled, uh, big budget movies like F- The Flash and like Shazam and like The Little Mermaid. Like I've seen people have positive things to say about that, but that the way that that movie looks is terrible. I I've yeah. seen shots. It, the trailer it looks it looks garbage. And so there's that there's those options and then there is would you like to see the remake of White Man Can't Jump with Jack Harlow cuz I I don't I have no desire like there's it just feels like there's not enough like kind of middle ground things that are piquing my interest where I'm like oh I'll give that a shot and even if it's not good I still tried it maybe I'm not looking hard enough but I just feel like that's not there right now Yeah Well and you know I was like well I mean there's so a lot of time left. I'm like, I mean, we are halfway through it. It's kind of hard to believe that we're literally halfway through this year. And now, you know, thinking about that, it, mm. there is a little bit of lack of, of film. But the last couple of weeks, though, we've had a couple movies come out. And I think we'll want to talk about both of them. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely want to talk about two that just came out in the past three or so weeks. And I think that you've already alluded to it. We're backloaded this year. We have... We have quite a few films still to come that everybody's excited about. Obviously, coming right up, we have Mission Impossible Fallout, which – or not Fallout, sorry, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Fallout was the last one. That's yeah. a movie that yeah. I think has kind of almost been quiet a little bit because of all the Oppenheimer buzz. People are forgetting that the week before Oppenheimer comes that movie, which I'm very excited about. Then we have Oppenheimer, Barbie. I'll be there opening night. Uh, I'm literally Ryan Gosling, so that's going to be great. <laughs> We then later in the year we have the killer, David Fincher's return to the screen. We have Dune Part Two coming and Killers of the Flower Moon. Those are all movies that are expected to contend for awards too. And that's another thing that I think is maybe missing is we don't. It doesn't feel like we have an early like awards contender now. Normally, the way that especially the Oscars work is people release their movies later in the year because the later in the year that you release the movie, the closer it is to awards season, the more buzz yeah. that it gets, things of that nature. But I'm looking right now, and with the exception of Across the Spider-Verse, I haven't really seen a movie this year that I think is like going to get a lot of nominations at the Oscars. Air, I think, will maybe get an acting nom, possibly. But other than that, like I don't screenplay, I don't see anything like that. And so that's kind of been weird, too. I feel like there's not a lot of prestige stuff coming out. There's not a lot of just, like, really well-reviewed films coming out right now. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, it's, you know, if 
if there is an issue with it, I almost blame the Academy for that. Cause we've seen in the past with Batman this last year that, I mean, that was for six months. That was the talk of the town. Like it was the Batman, like Matt Reeves, phenomenal job. And then, you know, the last four months of the year, these movies dropped, the buzz hit and Batman got two nominations and didn't win anything. Like, so I think, you know, if you want, which obviously if you're a director, that's kind of the goal. Like you want to win an Academy, right? You want to win a world series. You want to win a, you know, NCAA yeah, champion. like that's the goal. The big thing. Absolutely. So they're going to wait to release that until, you know, people are talking about it. And uh, so that's just the reality. And I mean, I don't necessarily have an issue. My bank account does. Cause that's just a lot of movie tickets, you know, it's in a month. All at once. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, Hey, I'll be watching every single one of those movies. So, right. Exactly. All the ones that I listed, I think are like, no question opening weekend. Yeah. Like every single one of those. And with the exception of Across the Spider-Verse and Guardians 3, um, in the last few months, I haven't had that. Transformers Rise of the Beast, I still haven't seen it yet. Don't really have a desire to. Little Mermaid, same thing. Uh, I'm trying to watch Asteroid City, but it's hard to do. Like there's yeah, only surprisingly. There's only two th- AMCs in the Kansas City area right now that have showings for Asteroid City, even after it's opening wide. And the normal theater that I have gone to in Kansas City doesn't have a showing of that. And that's true of smaller, the small horror film, The Blackening, which just came out, which is like a horror comedy. Um, I was interested in seeing that. Couldn't find Showtimes anywhere. There's a couple of A24 movies uh, that are out right now that I want to see. Couldn't find Showtimes anywhere. And this is, I understand that um, the model is, you know, put it in smaller theaters, push it out, get word of mouth, and then go to streaming. But I'm living in what most people would consider a major market right now, and I still can't see these movies. So then our only options are these huge tentpole films, which are very hit or miss. Like, that's always the way that big blockbusters have been. Some of them are great, and some of them are garbage for every, Mm -hmm. you know time you you go and watch a movie with a huge budget like an across the spider-verse you also have to pay money to see a movie like the lone ranger does anybody remember the lone ranger the movie cost 200 million dollars and it was stinky Mm. and like the fast x perfect example like i could watch they have they still have show times for fast x i could i could go watch fast x tonight if i wanted to i don't want to Mm. but i can't go see any of the smaller films that I want to. And so this is now just turned into a rant of why did I move to Kansas City if I can't watch movies, which is not what anybody cares about listening to. But it is frustrating. It really is surprising. And we've talked about this with Asteroid City, even of like Wes Anderson isn't still trying to make a name of himself. Like people know who that is. And the movie, at the very least, they know if I say Fantastic Mr. Fox or Grand Budapest Hotel um, or Moonrise Kingdom, just about every single person who's seen a movie is going to be like, oh, yeah, I've seen that, you know, or I've heard of it at the very least. Mm-hmm. And I'm just Absolutely. I'm even surprised. It's like, why is even like Wes Anderson, that kind of director? Why why are we struggling to find his movies? So and I've been seeing a lot of like trailers for that oh, when I was watching like the NBA finals. I remember seeing Asteroid City stuff and it's been playing before movie trailers since what march probably something like that so that's the weird thing to me is they're advertising this so much and then it's not easy to find mm-hmm. it's just it's the because you don't have an option i mean you're coming down this weekend to see asteroid city because it's 
a movie we both want to see, you have to drive almost two hours to do it. St. Yep. Joe is not even showing – it doesn't have a showtime. Like, it, that's ridiculous, right? Yeah. It, yep. And so, I, I don't know. It's just – it's becoming harder and harder to see these movies the way that I want to see them. Um, and that's, uh, that's in the theater. At every single time I've watched a movie in theaters versus at home, the in theater experience is better. It's always better to watch a movie that way every mm-hmm. time. And they're making it harder and harder to do that. And honestly, I mean, are you surprised by this? I feel like after we, we've talked about this in a podcast before and like the top 20 grossing movies of all time, I think it was three came out this year or last year have top the top 20 grossing movies of all time being super Mario brothers, uh, Avatar: The Way of Water, and I think Top Gun Maverick also cracked that. Top list. Gun Maverick. It's like okay, music movies need to be. Are, feel like they're trending up. Then like the box office is alive, but why are we not like getting like repaid almost as the people? Like why are these theaters not putting all these movies out? I don't know. Well, and there's something all of those movies have in common, and I think the big thing is they're not superhero movies. Uh, and well, you could yeah. you could argue semantics and uh, well actually if you think about the way Top Gun Maverick is Maverick is kind of like but they're not they're not superhero films they're not Marvel or DC films but we have turned the release schedule for movies into when are the big Marvel and DC movies come out and that used to make sense that made sense in 2016 that made sense even in 2018 now mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense. Because those movies are just not as beloved, and we just haven't we haven't caught up yet. I feel like because yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy three, you and I were both very high on it when we saw it, and it did it did fine business, but it didn't it didn't blow the doors off of anything. It made yeah. good money for its budget, but it didn't it wasn't a smash hit. In twenty sixteen, that movie is a smash hit. And so I think that that's part of the problem is a lot of these studios got out of the way and said, oh, my God, we don't want to compete with Marvel and we don't want to compete with DC on these weekends. Let's push our movies to other weekends. But then you get a situation where Dead Reckoning has been done for seemingly at least a year. Mm -hmm. And that movie could have come out in the spring or kicked off the summer, been a May release. But they got out of the way of the Flash, booked it, but now Oppenheimer's right there. So now these two, these movies and Barbie's on the same weekend. These movies are all going neck and neck when there hasn't been anything for three months that I care about. And now because of that, I don't think any of those three are going to make over a billion because it's going to be split between those three movies so much. Absolutely I think not. I, at 800, is 800 too high for all three? What? Well, Oppenheimer, 800, Barbie, I think 600... Mm, Barbie would be lucky to clear like 150 or 200. I think, think the so? online okay. attention for Barbie is high. I don't know if that's going to translate to real world. Oppenheimer is big, but it's also R. And because the movie's rated R, that also puts a cap on it. I yep. do think that I think Fallout made like 850 million, the last Mission Impossible movie. So I think Dead Reckoning would have a shot to get a billion, but it's kind of been smothered by Oppenheimer's marketing right now. Like I've mm-hmm. seen way more stuff in Oppenheimer than I have for Dead Reckoning, even though that's coming out sooner. And so I don't know. That movie could only make five hundred million. Now they're already they're gonna make the part two. Like there's no question. Yeah. It's not yeah, it's not that. But Tom Cruise made a movie last year that dropped in May and for like two months was the highest grossing movie in theaters, beating out new movies every weekend. 
Yep. And I, I have to feel like that could happen again if he just had the space to do it. But his IMAX screens are going to get taken over the next week for Oppenheimer showings. It's just, yeah. it's ludicrous. I don't know why they did that. Yeah. Well, and it's, I sent you something on Twitter, but like, not, it's, it's like baffles us when they do it on accident. But then to find out that Barbie studio, who's the studio in charge of Barbie? Is it Warner Bros? I think Barbie is. Yes, I believe because that's Barbie where Christopher Nolan used to be. They on purpose chose the same weekend. Like, okay, throw a fit. You're stubborn. You're petty. You have to know that's not good business for you. Like, why would you choose the same weekend as Oppenheimer, even though you're upset at Christopher Nolan? Like, yeah, and- you could have spaced these things three months apart, and but all three would have been like one point one, you know, nine hundred million, one point two, or you know, I don't, I don't know. And Oppenheimer was also already on the schedule when Paramount booked the release for the Mission Impossible movie. And so you have you just have to look at that and be like, okay, what do we know about Christopher Nolan? Um, Christopher Nolan makes big movies. So what's Christopher Nolan going to, no matter what, no matter how good the movie is, what even the audience reception of the movie is, what are Christopher Nolan movies going to demand? IMAX screenings. That's what they're going to have. There's a limited amount of IMAX theaters on the planet it's very limited, and we know that those movies are going to be there. Also, our movie is going to be an IMAX movie. Let's try to figure this out, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's let's maybe not cannibalize ourselves. I, I just, I don't know. Rising Tide lifts all boats. I got to feel like if they space these movies out, like you said, it would be better for all of them financially. The, the Barbie-Oppenheimer thing could end up working in Barbie's favor just because it's gonna. It's like got the counterculture thing going on, where it's Oppenheimer is like one sect of the population, and then Barbie is like catering to the other people. Maybe mm-hmm. I, I'm a mm-hmm. person who it's both. I, I cross. I cross the lane there, so it doesn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. That might happen, but still, I can't. I can't imagine that's gonna help more than if they pushed Barbie three weeks. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. Do you think we're getting to the point? And obviously, this depends on the director. Uh, this depends on who's making these movies does the direct who I'm um, remind me who mission impossible's director is Christopher McQuarrie McQuarrie guys like that, or maybe Greta Gerwig, maybe Christopher Nolan. Do you think they care more about getting that Academy nod and possible win than how much money they can make at the box office? Cause you wouldn't would think s- so, but it seems like they aren't, you know what I mean? I would say, I would say from McQuarrie, no. I, I don't think Christopher McQuarrie makes movies. And that's not what Tom Cruise makes movies for. And Christopher McQuarrie is Tom Cruise's partner, essentially, and has been for the last five years in, in terms of filmmaking. And Tom Cruise has said he makes movies for audiences. And his goal is to make a movie that is going to be crowd-pleasing and that the most people are going to like, which I think that we need. I, I'm not denigrating that idea at all. I actually mm-hmm. think that that's a perfectly valid way to make movies and we need we need directors we need actors that want to do that i think that nolan probably straddles the line a little bit and does a little bit of both i think Mm -hmm. nolan tries to make prestige films he does make films that are going to garner awards but he also likes to make big popcorn event movies he likes to make movies that are flashy he likes to make movies that have huge broad like themes about humanity but also ones that are very easily accessible to audiences like Mm -hmm. interstellar like dunkirk 
you know, these movies are are trying to say a lot, but they also have like a very familiar blockbuster kind of style to them. And then yeah. Gerwig, yeah. I think, just makes movies. I don't know because I don't think she makes movies for awards. I think few filmmakers actually do that. I think they make movies with awards in mind, but I don't think that she does it for that. But that's the lane that she would be more hitting. Greta Gerwig is not ever going to be one of the top box office directors Mm -hmm. in America, even when she makes movies that are big successes, like Little Women, which was a pretty big success, and Lady Bird. But these movies aren't trying to make money. Um, Mm -hmm. Mostly they're catered to an audience that may be underserved in movies, uh, generally women, uh, because quite frankly, the majority of movies are just made for men. And also, she's just trying to, in a interpret and put in her own style into something mostly existing yeah. ip at this point because little women and barbie and supposedly she's going to direct a snow white movie for disney in the future which i hate that but i can't do anything about that so that i i, yeah. I do think that there is some that's why the mission impossible decision doesn't make sense to me because that is a movie that should be mostly, if not solely, focused on box office. They don't expect to win Oscars for that, and nobody yeah. else expects them to win. Oscars it's a random for that. action movie that doesn't win Oscars, kind of thing. Right. It's like the purpose of John Wick. John Wick is not. It's a movie that has great choreography. I th- I think the franchise is great, but they're not. They're not going into it going okay. What we're trying to do is getting a screenplay nod, and we're going to hope for maybe a best actor nod for Keanu and a best director nod. That's not they, they don't care about that. They're yeah. they're not trying to do that. What they're trying to do is entertain a large group of people and make good money while also sticking true to what they want to do. That's what Mission Impossible well, yeah. does. That's why that decision doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Well, Chad Stahelski, director of John Wick, probably looked at the schedule and was like, uh. Yeah, we'll just put ours in March since all y'all are putting it on the same weekend at the end of the year. Like, we'll just have right. four months of no activity. And it worked out. Like, I think for many, many weeks, like, people were talking about John Wick and it was available. And really, anywhere you wanted to go at my theater in Maryville, like, it, John Wick was available and people were watching right. it and nothing was interfering that because they scheduled this movie away from these big box office, big budgeted films and had no issues with that. They didn't have to worry about that. Well, and even giving yourself two weeks is important. Like, because Scream came out a couple of weeks before, Scream 6 came out a couple of weeks before John Wick 4. Now, there is some audience overlap in there. Scream is going to cater a little younger than John Wick would probably. But R-rated movies, violent, but they're genre movies. So they're people that are fans of genres or action, you know, they attract loyal crowds. Both of them made really good money. Scream 6, surprisingly so. A lot of people didn't think that movie was going to be the biggest, as big a success as it was. And they had two, they had two weeks. You know, they had a yeah. buffer. So, yes, audiences could still go back, but they're not having to choose between the two. You could go watch Scream. You didn't even have to see it opening weekend if you didn't want to. And then the next week or two weeks later, you could see John Wick 4. And yeah. so there was a little spaced out because like you said, with the cost, you know, not everybody can afford to go to the movies that often or wants to use their money that way. So when it costs you $15 a ticket and you're taking two people every time and getting a drink, so it's a $40 trip every time, you're not going to want to go two weekends in a row. And after you spend that money, you might want to take a month off. Well, if your movies are spaced two weeks apart, you have that option to go again and see that movie the next month. When they're not, 
you're probably picking and choosing. And then when you do decide to go back around to one, it's not going to be in theaters anymore. So mm-hmm. dropping $150 in eight days on movies, a movie trip alone. It's like, that's right. a little more than the right. budget. Right. But, or you um, could just become an AMC a list member, which is pretty true. Well, Hey, cash money. Yeah. What, did, what was that? If you, it's seventeen ninety nine a month at Regal to watch unlimited movies. Was that, what was the deal? I'm trying to think. Yeah, Regal Unlimited is something similar. Um, not because you were like, whenever ads. we were watching, we were watching, and you're like, I was honestly, like, David, you should guys that. consider that. Well, and- I looked it up though because I wanted to compare them because there's some Regal cinemas in KC too, and so mm-hmm. I was looking to see. Uh, Regal's you don't get specialty screenings with them, so no IMAX, no anything is included. You have to pay all that. So it has to be standard, yes. standard age. Okay. Standard standard movie, which is fine, like yeah. most of the time, but you're gonna be disappointed if you go to see Oppenheimer on a normal size screen. I know mm-hmm. you. So yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's just I don't know. It's just something people have to factor in. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Let's talk was, about. That was, that talk was about, a lot. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about movies we've actually seen, uh, and let's talk about some positive stuff because we haven't yet. I, we we. Both saw this film in theaters opening weekend, um, but didn't get the opportunity to actually speak about it on this podcast. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, uh, David and myself, I'm going to speak for David here, like pretty much everybody else that has viewed this film in its entirety, loved it. I mean, I, crazy that it built on a movie that I consider to be one of the best animated movies I've ever seen and, and its predecessor, and just absolutely came off the top rope and did everything I was expecting and wanted. My expectations for this film were high, um, Mm -hmm. which I was a little worried about. And we had actually talked about it. I was, there's a little bit of anxiety, David, when you sat down to watch this, um, were you thinking like, I'm about to experience something life changing or were you just worried about, Oh God, I hope this is a little as good as the first one. Cause if it's not, I'm going to be super disappointed. Uh, definitely not the former. Um, I honestly thought this would be like a good second movie. And then like, I can't wait for the third kind of thing. And honestly, full transparency. I forgot this was, well, this, this has been announced. So it's not a spoiler. I forgot this was a part one. And originally it was across the spider verse part one, which obviously tells you that there's going to be a part two. So until, you know, sitting down until the movie ended, I completely forgot that this was part one, which kind of made it. Maybe fun. Um, it changes a little things, right? It changes your perspective when you, you know, think this is a standalone in the sense that it's going to be resolved as mm-hmm. a second movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't expecting this. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I think my expectations weren't as high, maybe because I was like, the first one was incredible. If you, if they, if they're able to, if it's able to be a four out of five, like. A, you know, I'll be impressed just because it's hard to follow up movies like that. Um, and they, in my opinion, somehow topped it. Uh, and yeah, we can get into that for sure. Cause whoo. Yeah. in Ooh. almost every aspect. Um, so I watched it with, uh, our friend TJ. Um, we had actually seen the first one together in theaters too. And so I watched it with him and he did not know it was a part one either. Because at the end, he was like looking at his watch to try. He was like, we're already we're already two and a half hours in. Like, I don't how are they going to resolve this? Like, 
in confrontation by this time. Mm -hmm. And he looked over at me and he's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. But it's one of those rare times where that doesn't like negatively affect my opinion of it because it felt like they still told a complete story. It wasn't it didn't feel like half a movie. They're just yep. setting up the arc. Um, yep. Things that things that I, I loved about this movie and, and David, I'm sure you'd love them too. First, the art, the art and animation style. Yeah. Um, I, the first one was great, really captured like what it was like to everybody said this. This is the most oversaid praise of the first movie ever, which is it looks like a comic book. And that's true. Mm -hmm. But they even did more this time, specifically with the Spider Bunk character, Hobie, was yeah. one that stood out to me, where like, they're having these different art styles interact with each other in a really interesting way. And mm -hmm. visually, it was stunning. I saw it on IMAX. Absolutely was the proper choice. One of the most beautiful movies I've seen, bar animated or live action. Like any, any movie, this is up there in the top 20, I would say, for, for stunning visually. The other yeah. thing, I just the voice performances were so good. Hmm. Like, that's just, it's, uh, I mean, Oscar Isaac, Shamik Moore, you have Haley Steinfeld, Brian Tyree Henry, Jake Johnson, Daniel Kaluuya. Like, the, it was a studded cast, but it was just, it was great. They were, yep. the, all the voice performances were great. What, David, would you say was your favorite part of this film? Because we can't really get into spoiler territory because I think it's too early. A lot of people haven't been able to see it yet. Uh, I think something I'll add to, you know, your your praises of it. I've been shuffling this album since I've uh, oh, watched yeah. it. The music is so good. Um, that kind of like main tune is like such a vibe, and it kind of you you hear that theme throughout the movie, but also throughout the album, and uh, really really good. And I, I like listen to the song, and I'm like, oh, I want to rewatch this movie. You know what I mean? And uh, mm -hmm. Really, really liked it. I think something else, something else I really enjoyed. I think I haven't seen this in a movie before, and I probably have. I'm just forgetting. I really, and I, I don't believe this is a spoiler, and I can cut it if it is. I really enjoyed uh, Miles' relationship with his parents and how it wasn't like one conflict and a resolution. Like, yes, throughout the movie, like, even at one point, you're like, man, they just aren't figuring this out. But that's almost kind of realistic, isn't it? Like, they had an issue, and they, they talked about it. And he does it again, they talk about it. And he just, he's, he's a teenager. It continues to disobey, and they're almost like, okay, I don't know, we don't know what to do. And that felt more realistic. You know, in some movies, like, we got to create conflict. It happens, he talks, and the parent's like, you know, yeah, I'm mm -hmm. good. Which can happen. Mm -hmm. But I loved, and you, and you saw both sides, because both sides were kind of right. You know, both sides had reasonings for why they were doing what they were doing and the genuine struggle between the two. And if like, you know, we talked about Christopher Nolan with like these big films, but there's also kind of simple meanings, you know, amidst all of that of like something you can connect with. And despite the crazy graphics and all of this, like we just thought everybody can kind of relate to that, whether you're the parent, like me and my the kids just, it's not getting it. Or if you're the kid of like, you know, his side of the story. So it was kind of, it was kind of a personal touch on it um, when it could have just been a blind action movie, you know, with cool animation. Mm -hmm. So they kind of, they kind of got down to the, the soul there a little bit. I think that's, that tells me that this movie is like not shallow. It's not a, 
easy plot to write. Like there was some depth to the story and I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm thinking that maybe we should only let um, the Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner, and then people making Spider-Man movies handle the multiverse and everybody else should be banned from it. <laughs> you just shouldn't be allowed to use it in your film unless you're mm. doing this. Because, yeah, it's another one of those stories where it could easily just be like, oh, and the thingamajig collects the property blah, and we have to do that before the doobity. No, it's it's very simple. It's very simple uh, whenever they break it down, and I don't want to actually spoil that, too, because that's that's also just an important part of the film is understanding yeah. what's actually happening and what's at stake. But it, it's like you said. It, it could be this big, massive, like, every the universes are collapsing on each other sort of sort of scenario and it, in some ways it is but it's also just a personal story it's also mm-hmm. it's also a singular character story focused on miles uh and mm-hmm. gwen i think gwen takes a much bigger uh role in this film is yeah. kind of the second main character we spend a lot of time with her i really enjoyed that um i i just the way that they handled this so smartly and i i rewatched into the spider verse before i watched this and then catching okay. all the stuff Same. that they mentioned how it was like they're actually setting this up. This isn't just mm-hmm. like, oh crap, Into the Spider Verse made so much money, we should make a sequel now. No, that's not how. That's not what happened. This is this is a movie that's been carefully planned, which other studios should take notes. Uh, people making Star Wars, and so <laughs> like things are connecting, and it and it makes sense. And the movie's funny. It's funnier than the first one. It, it, like. It's got yeah. a lot of laughs. Yeah. It's got a lot of serious moments. Like you said, the music is great. The performances are great. Just really, I, I, it's not five stars for me, and it might be eventually. It just isn't right now, and I have almost anti-recency bias where I'll watch a movie, and I'll be like, there's no way that was five stars, and I'll have to rewatch it before I decide. But it's pretty damn close. I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's immense how just overwhelming the movie's quality is to me. And Let I, me... If, sorry for interrupting. I'll, I'll ask you what, like, is that one thing? Like, you may not even know yet. Like, but put the pin on why is like this is why this is not a five star movie. Which that's a I tough. Really that's always know. tough to answer. Yeah, that's right. a tough question. I really don't know. I I don't know what it is. I think it's just a feeling. And sometimes I get the feeling when I'm watching a movie mm. like this is five stars. And I didn't get that with this movie. But it it didn't mean that this movie was bad. It's four and a half. Like I, yeah. it's as close as you can get, right? I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the, the expectations. Quite frankly, is maybe mm-hmm. if I had lower expectations and it surprised me more. I don't know. I and maybe it will be upon rewatch. Maybe I'm just being too hard on it because it is kind of, you know, it's a superhero movie, which I don't have any of those um, as five stars, which may just be a personal bias of mine. Um, and it's an animated movie, which I don't. I don't I think I have an animated five-star film yet either. And, you know... It, but it's, usually it's new, that's not so. the case. Usually a superhero movie is not a five-star. Usually an animated movie is not a five-star. So right. maybe there's just a this couple like... Trans, it's just transcending genre. It's transcending all of the tropes that you would expect to come with this. Yeah. And I also think that one thing that helps this movie... I think it... Is Spider-Man one of like the most universally beloved just like fictional characters? Like any version... Like the Spider-Man story, which this movie touches on a lot, is so like iconic. It's ingrained in us, like right, like Spider-Man gets the powers, awkward teenager trying to figure it out. You know, it's an allegory for 
in many ways. It's an allegory for puberty, but it's also just an allegory for life as a teenager and trying to find out who you are. And then like tragedy strikes close to him and or her and you have to they have to like try to deal with that and grip with the loss and also like explore their powers. They just have a cool power set. I think everybody just loves Spider Man. Yeah. And so that makes this easier because I don't give a crap if this is Iron Man's, you know, I just, I don't care. I don't even know if I care if it's Batman, which would be the only other character I put up there. But that's what I was thinking. Like this and Batman are like the two most repeated, most talked about, used, known characters. Give me any other superheroes. And I do not give a darn about this movie, but there's something about Spider-Man that I just, I love. I don't know why. Maybe it's, I saw Mm -hmm. the Tobey Maguire movies when I was young it's the first superhero I really remember caring about. And I tried to do the thing in the shower where you, you know, you get the, you, oh, for sure. Shooting a web out and let the water like fly down. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do that. Yeah. So maybe that's it. I don't, I don't know. But I think the Spider Man in it just makes me love the movie more. Uh, I, uh, you, you bring up Tobey Maguire. And I think this is a good time to ask. And this may be a really easy answer. Where does this rank on your all-time Spider-Man movie list? Every Spider-Man movie that's been made. Uh, one or two. Yeah. I mean, um, at this point, I think No Way Home I was higher on when I saw it the first time, but that was a lot of, like, quite frankly, like 70% of that reaction was nostalgia. Um, yeah. And I think it's, my, my opinion of it has cooled off. I think this one's number one. I, I really do. I just, it's hard to imagine um just a better execution of the character and it's cheating a little cuz you get every execution of the character so mm-hmm. there's every version in there right yeah. but also i think it does owe a debt to those like the groundwork was laid because we love the other spider-man movies even the ones that are flawed are still very yeah. popular and so the this movie benefits from the goodwill that the character has built but it builds on it in a way that I I haven't seen another movie do. So, yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I have it at one. I uh, I think I saw it on Twitter. I was like, dude, I should make a Spider Man movie list. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I got I got Spider Man one or Spider Man across the universe at number one. Just a question: What's the last? I'm just curious. Spider Man three. Really Tony below Spider-Man Amazing Spider Man two. That's Jeez. second to last. Right. I mean, those two are, yeah, those two are pretty, pretty squarely at the bottom. So yeah, I get you. So. I, 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 I understand it. I understand it. It was a tough decision, you know, because they, they all have their qualities. They all have their positive things, you know? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. David, um, we obviously just talked about across the spider verse. We talked about John wick and scream six on this podcast. Is there any other 2023 releases that you've seen besides the ones that we're talking about that were also Guardians of the Galaxy 3 that you, you want to mention that you think were good, that you think are worth people's time? Oh, I think there's a movie you and I are thinking about right now that should be discussed. Spare it out. actually fell victim to the straight to uh, straight to streaming, you know, um, mm-hmm. habit that is that is sped up since COVID, I would say, uh, significantly. And that is Sam Hargrave's second installment of Extraction uh, starring Chris Hemsworth. Um, yeah. Dude. I, not in the 
necessarily the quality, but I put these in the same, I'm starting to put this in the same vein as Mission Impossible and 007, where it's like, make 10 of these. Just keep spitting them out at me, and I'll like, I'll be entertained. I'll, I'm I will having like, a good time. I'm I will enjoy this 25-minute action scene that seems like one cut that it probably isn't, but they just edited it very well, and uh, I'll, I'll watch every single one of them. Yep, absolutely. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm I at. Feel the exact same way. I was watching this. Um, I wasn't. Was it the day that it came out? No, it was Saturday night. I was watching this Saturday night, and I just sent a text into our group chat and said, "Extraction two, watch it. Like it's just it's worth your time to it spend time watch it. Like you don't have to do it right now, but just do it." And the next day, you watched it, and you and I had the just exact same reaction. This feels to me like uh, I'm. I'm going to bring up a movie like Cliffhanger, like a 90s Stallone movie. This is a movie that is in many, at many points very dumb. Like you're just like, this makes no sense. How is he surviving? Um, he's shooting a helicopter with a pistol and what's going on? You know, there's a lot of that in this movie. It's kind of like throwback action in that way. But it's so much fun. You're having such a good time. And like you said, there's a sequence in this film, which it's in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler. There is an extended action set piece in a prison. It's, it's amazing. You're, it's one take. It's like 30 minutes long. You're weaving in and out of the prison. And then after there, you're going with them in the escape. You get in the vehicles with them. And then when they get on a, in, on a train and then there's helicopters – it's like a Call of Duty mission. Like genuinely, I thought like I was just watching the movie version of like Modern Warfare Three. Like mm-hmm. I, it was just, it was amazing. And is the plot good? No, no, it's not. The emotional moments are not very emotional. None of the like talking scenes are you're you're gonna write home about. You're not you're not excited about that. But the action mm-hmm. was so entertaining that I didn't care. It was just a good old fashioned shoot 'em up action film that I loved. Looked it up. Per USA Today and their interview with director Sam Hargraves, this is a 21-minute one-shot scene with 400 extras. That's insane. And they don't have to do that, right? They could do the born thing where they just cut and cut and every cut and every punch is a cut. And they they could do that, and it'd be fine. And it would be eh, action. But they tried. They they were ambitious with this, and I I really enjoyed it. the The story again leaves much to be desired. I I the, from the first one had the same thing too. There were some really cool action set pieces in the first one, but the story left much to be desired. I think this one has better action, and the story is a little bit better, so I rate it higher. This isn't mm. a five star film, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, something else I just learned, which actually gives me a little more respect for the film, Chris did most of the stunts without special effects. He was on top of that train that was going 50 miles an hour, shooting it at a helicopter. Like a lot of these stunts, Chris Hemsworth did, you know, right. himself. Which now knowing that, it's pretty impressive because again, right. they don't have to do that at all, and a lot don't. And we're finding that in like the superhero genre that that's turning into, you know, not that. But it's really CGI cool when later, don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. But that's it's really cool, and. um the the whole movie the movie as a whole is pretty good, but that that twenty one minute scene is like it's like I was mesmerized and it's always every time you're like a minute and a half in and then you're like wait I don't I think I've seen a cut yet, yet. Yeah, yeah you never like you never like oh it's been ten seconds I I just feel like this is it's like one minute and a half two minutes in you're like wait a second 
this camera's, you know, this camera has been continuous and I would, I want to see where they edited this. There's a couple settings like they go behind the black pole and it moves. You can right. guess they you stitched it there. But and when someone swings there, something right in front of the camera, you can tell they stitched it yeah. there too. But yeah, I I'm I like think- I want to know like where do they cut this and how long is like their longest scene? You know, or I you know I'm impressed. Is it? Whew. I think that one shots have have become kind of almost a joke at this point because they're. They've gotten easier to do, right? It's easier to move a camera around now because you can have drones and whatever. So you could cameras are smaller; they're easier to move around. Um, and CGI and editing technology, it's just easier to cut. And so yeah. sometimes they become overused. But in this movie, it's not. It's like clearly they're like, "Look at what we can do," but you don't care because it's so cool. You're like, "Look at what they can do," right? And that's just that's a really dumb way to say that. This is kind of a dumb movie. I mean, this is it, it's dumb. It, the plot, you're like this. How? Why? It's about a Chris Chris Hemsworth's character who survives after spoiler alert getting shot in the neck in the first one, and he survives, and then he you know magically heals in six months, as all people do in action movies, despite having the most horrific injuries ever. And then his sister, his ex sister in law, is locked up in prison with her, you know, um, Georgian gangster. Yeah. Not not like mind your P's and Q's, Georgia, but like the former Soviet country. Uh, and so he just has to break into a, you know, Cold War-esque prison and break them out and then fight the brother's gang the whole time. Easy. At, plot? That, that doesn't make any sense. Why, what? But it doesn't matter because I had a good time. And that's yep. all I need. But even you mentioned, you know, it, it's gotten easier and it has, but this like style of one shot they did was different. Like they were moving that camera in and out and like somehow goes over a vehicle right up into the window and it's now it's focused on Chris Hemsworth and then it bounces back. Like, you know, right. there's an easy right. way to it's style to do a one a shot, level. but this was, this was intense and it's a different level. I even loved one scene. They were focused on, you know, one character went out of the scene they're fighting, doing what they need to do, follows the other character through. And that's like a two minute sequence of him fighting, fighting, fighting. And then, you know, he throws a guy into boom, the original people come back onto the screen and they're continuing. Like it, it just passes the shot along, you know what I mean? So that next character and it was just continuous. I was impressed. And, mm-hmm. you know, who would have thought that extraction two would have, you know, blown us away with that style and not maybe another movie, but here we are. Hey, I was I was kind of looking for it whenever I watched the trailer. I saw the they showed the part in the the trailer where he gets hit with the flamethrower or not the flamethrower when he gets hit with a Molotov cocktail when he's got the riot shield up and they're in the prison fight. And I saw mm-hmm. him start fighting people with his arm on fire and he starts punching a dude with a flaming fist. And I was like, Yeah, okay, I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching this. Like I'm ready to and go. He, <laughs> and he like, puts the fire out, hitting another guy so hard. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm he in, hits I'm the in. guy so many times. <laughs> he puts the fire. Out. I'm there. I'm like, I'm ready to go. I, I, I love movies that are complex and and you know that that make me ask questions and you know that are character dramas and stuff. But I also love a movie where it's just guy action star punching other guy in the face a lot. I, I love that too. I am a man of also, many tastes. So. Can we be honest? Chris Hemsworth is a dog in many ways. He's a guy. And so he's just, he's just, just a out stud. There grinding. Yeah. Grinding. He's out there grinding. Uh, also, you know, the, they set up a third one. 
So we're probably going to get another one. Uh, I, great. Good news. That's good news for me. Enjoy Absolutely. that. So, yeah, let's keep it going. Um, David, I want to shout out one more movie real quick before um, we, we dip out of this this podcast. Uh, and that is a movie that's actually coming to formerly HBO Max, now just Max, uh, this weekend. And that is Evil Dead Rise. Evil Dead Rise is one of the most hilarious and also messed up movies I've ever seen in my life. If you have seen any of the Evil Dead films, it, it takes the camp from the first two and combines it with the kind of shock, gore, um, and darker tone of the evil the the Evil Dead installment that was like from 2013, the remake. Mm. It, it it combines those into a film in which it's a simple horror movie. The Necronomicon, which is the thing in the Evil Dead movies, is discovered during an apartment, during an earthquake uh, at an apartment building in Los Angeles. And then they're just trapped in there with the demons. Mm. Great premise. A lot of blood. One of the most enjoyable theater experiences I had. There's multiple laugh-out-loud moments. Mm. There's multiple moments where you want to turn your head because it's really uncomfortable. I, I, If you are a horror person... If you enjoy horror films and you have not seen this film yet, I would just, I would, I would mark your calendar. It's coming to Max on Friday. I would just, I would just be ready to watch it as soon as you can. I promise mm. you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, I may have to. Well, for myself, who's not seen any of them, and for the viewer who may be in the same boat, do I need to see the first two to see this one? Or do I need to see the first one at least to see this one? So, what I would recommend is I, what I would say is no, not really. Um, let me let's just let's just do let's do this right now. Evil, quick, Evil Dead tutorial. The Evil Dead one is a uh, important independent film in the horror genre. It was Sam Raimi's big break. Made it for no money with his friends from college. It's campy. It's a horror classic. It's not like the scariest movie ever. It's kind of funny. Intentionally so at many points, other times unintentionally. Then he got money and was like, I'm just going to remake that movie again, but better. So Evil Dead 2 is essentially just Evil Dead 1 again. Like literally it is. So you don't have to watch Evil Dead 1. You could just watch Evil Dead 2 if you would like to. Okay. Okay. So, so that's a possibility. And then there's Army of Darkness, which is the sequel to Evil Dead 2 and The Evil Dead. I believe all of these films are on Max right now, actually. So I would recommend that you do it. I just, I think it would make your experience better, but I don't know that it's necessarily a requirement. It's like you could probably have seen Scream 6 without having seen any of the other screams, but you're not mm-hmm. going to enjoy the movie as much. So I think it's a similar vein there. So all of Sam Raimi's installments are not on, not available. They're just HB. They're just Amazon. What looks like renting. So Evil Dead One, Two, and Army of Darkness. You could just but, watch the Evil Dead. Essentially, you just need to know what the Necronomicon is, which is just a book yeah. of the dead. And essentially, whenever it gets read aloud, then spirits known as the Deadites attempt to possess and then kill anybody in the immediate vicinity there you go that's what happens 
There you go. The 2013 Evil Dead by Fide, Fide Alvarez is on HBO. That maybe feels like not, you know, one that's not necessarily connected, but you might get a little information on, you know, what this movie is. That one's also good. But, if you like horror movies, I'd say you'd like that one. That one is not funny, though. This The Evil Dead franchise normally leans into camp. That one is just a straight horror film. So if pretty intense. It's pretty yeah. It's actually I think it ha- holds the record for most fake blood used on a set. I believe that's true. Wow. So it's very intense. Um, yeah. Not pretty, there is a sequence very. where it quite literally rains blood in that movie. Wow. Which is sick. I I'm big lots of blood at the end of my horror movies guy. See Evil Dead Rise and that movie and The Descent. All movies mm. I very much enjoyed. So, uh, another horror movie I've c- kind of was wanting to watch, but uh, it hasn't gotten you know huge praise was The Boogeyman. Yep. Nope. You could skip. It wasn't good. Ah, uh, so the concept was good, and at times the execution was even good, but the story was just such the. Uh, uh, can we can, – here's here's something I would like, and Evil Dead Rise doesn't do this. Can we make a horror movie that's not just actually the monster represents grief? Ha, we've done that too much recently. Like we, we're doing that all the time, and the boogeyman is literally that. And I'm sure Stephen King wrote this in a time when that wasn't the case. But yeah, now yeah. all horror movies seem to be like this treatise on grief and trying to examine loss which i don't think is a bad thing but it's like this one's not very well done so you're like oh this stupid the real monster is actually the hole that was left in their family by the passing of their mother like it's just not i i was just tired i was yeah. so tired of it yeah so. you're just, you're kind of want just a straight up horror movie without yeah yeah sometimes yeah. that felt and like I, that felt like just straight like gonna be horror movie you know but it's like it's an examination of grief and the dad is a therapist and and so he like knows how to help his children, but he can't talk about it either. And they have to come together. They have to reconcile. It's just like mm. it, that's fine. And maybe that's what some people are looking for. That's just not what I got from the trailer. That's not the vibe that I got. The vibe that I got was, oh, crap, creepy thing stalking this family, which is that does happen in the movie. But a lot of it is just talking about sadness yeah so yeah wasn't really for me also really some really bad therapy stuff like as in friend like i have friends that are in therapy the therapy field like our our therapists themselves just so many rules breaking just flagrantly and just Mm. terrible like practice so that part's tough too it's always fun yeah okay so we've mentioned Asteroid City, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Barbie, The Killer, Dune Part 2, uh, Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Any other movie that's either out currently, has been out, or is going to be out that you're like, 2023 movie, I still really want to see, or I can't wait to see. Or it really, is that kind of it? That's, that's a good question. Let me read I know that. I mentioned I, I did list a quite a bit others. there. If we're talking about bigger um, films, huh. some of these I was excited to see, and then they got really, really poor reviews, which is mm-hmm. a little tough. This new Indiana Jones movie that's coming out soon, which we I didn't talk about, but I actually just rewatched Raiders of the Lost Ark tonight. 
Uh, I'm not feeling good. I just I don't feel good. I'm gonna see it. Really? I will see it opening weekend, but I don't feel good about it. I just I have no hope. And I don't know if that's maybe because I'm just a pessimist at heart or something, but I just don't have. That's too bad because there was kind of some hype, wasn't there? And then it, at the Cannes Festival, for some reason, they had early screenings and it didn't go well, I heard. and Yeah, I, I'm looking at the releases right now uh, for upcoming movies. I can tell you what movie I don't care about. I do not care about the Hunger Games prequel. In even a skosh of me doesn't care about the Hunger Games prequel. Uh, Napoleon, the Ridley Scott movie. Yeah, I was about to it's mention that one. It's got Joaquin Phoenix. That one is good. Uh, I I mentioned the movie that's about the Von Erichs, the wrestling film, the A24 one, starring Zac Efron. I believe it's called Iron Claw. Um, I'm excited about that one, but again, I think that's going to be one of those that uh, it's going to be really hard for me to find a showtime for that. But like, especially these superhero movies, like Blue Beetle, and the Marvels that are coming up. Apparently, Blue Beetle's gotten decent early screenings. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, there's also an Aquaman movie that's coming out Christmas oh, Day. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that one. Supposedly, Legally Blonde Insidious. 3 is coming out this year. The That Insidious movie, the trailer actually looked good. It played before the Boogeyman. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I haven't kept up though. I've only seen one and two, so I, Same. I need to watch the other ones. I don't know. I can tell you yeah, what I'm movie, looking. What movies I'm not excited about? Well, I'm not watching The Flash. I'm just not going to do that. Oh, you won't even watch? Well, I say that, but I've not even seen the second Shazam, and I kind of it's all, it's available to watch. But I'm just like, yeah, the second Shazam has been on the front page of Max since that they rebranded. And I've just instantly skipped over it every time. Yeah, it's like guys, uh, stop trying. Just oh, stop it. One, one I am interested in that we haven't really talked about: the creator. Uh, that's yeah. the Gareth Edwards sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the it's got starring John David Washington and and Gemma Chan. I, that that movie looked promising from the trailer. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, and it's like original. It's an original story. It's not IP. That's that Finally. also interests me. So. Yeah. What do you mean you're not interested in the Equalizer three? You've yet to bring that up, my friend. You know that's I uh, that's probably a movie I'll watch in theaters. I I mean I unlimited movies every month and it's Denzel Washington. So like put Denzel Washington be, in a yeah Home Depot again and I'll I'll be there. You know a movie I haven't seen that's maybe at the top of my list of shame that I need to correct soon. I've never seen Man on Fire. Mm. It's pretty good. And I, and I need I need to do that because I. The Equalizer films are not good, but I do enjoy like just watching. Denzel the first one's not horrible. The first one's like solid seven, uh, seven out of ten for me. Yeah, it's just like lower tier like action for me. If like John Wick's at the top, it's like a tier two below. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really need to see Man on Fire, and yeah, I'll watch it. I'll watch Equalizer three. Why not? It's uh, it's on HBO. Man on Fire is on HBO. Sorry. Tuh, silly me. It's on Max. Um, one other movie. I don't even know if this has been confirmed, and it may be pushed back. I'm in, I'm excited for the second Joker movie with Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. I, I believe I'm, that's 2024. Matt, oh, I it, think so. It probably is. It probably yeah. is. Okay, they are filming it right now, but 
It's supposed to be a musical. How do you feel about that? I mean, Lady Gaga can sing, so that's it's true. I have a few questions about what Joaquin's going to be able to do vocally, though. What is like he going to start singing and then just like kill six people while he's like singing yeah. the score or something? I don't know. You and I have a, a little. We're, we vary a little bit on our our enjoyment of the first installment. So, yeah, I, I'm. I, I'll watch it, but I'm not. I'm not chomping at the bit. That's for sure. Some of the people I follow, I saw some ratings. I'm like, get out of here. This movie is not a two and a half. Stop it. I think you might have been one of them. Were you? A, are you a three or a two and a half? Mm, let's look. There's no way it's. Hey, but that. I didn't have a good time. There's no way it's the same rating as like the Green Hornet, bro. Let's. It's a two and a half. I want you to go to your two and a half movies and tell me it's the same. Like you're gonna tell me Joker's as good as Sausage Party that you gave it two and a half or something. I don't even know. I I don't. I don't know. Um, oh, boy. I'm getting put on blast here. Let's see. Let's <laughs> see. Let's do. Yeah. Let's hey, see. just a little bit of accountability. What my rating is. Can I just look up individual rate ratings? I think you do like. Is it going to make me go through a weird like. Oh, OK. I can do it. Yeah. I Hold on. Don't worry. I'll probably get there before you and just start yelling at you. Um. Uh, yeah, I have it as the same level as Elvis. Does that make you feel better or worse? I don't know. The, the same level is uh, uh, Alita Battle Angel, the Hitman's Bodyguard, uh, the Blair Witch remake. Bro, you H have this as the two, same rating as the Hobbs Heat. and Shaw. You the know Heat. it's not. You know it's not David, this bad, David. It's not you just know. about. It's not just about the overall quality film. It's about my personal enjoyment, which I there wasn't any. And then what if I feel the movie achieved what it was trying to? I'm begging you. I'm begging. Have you seen Taxi Driver yet? No. Watch Taxi Driver, and then you will understand why the Joker is not good. So you think The Last Stand starring Arnold Schwarzenegger accomplished just as much as The Joker did? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Because outside of Joaquin Phoenix and the score, I didn't give a darn. You're forgetting how bad it was that they inserted that he could be um, Thomas Wayne's son plot into it and then had to have him have a confrontation with Bruce Wayne. You're forgetting that. You're glossing over that in your brain right now. And that was one of the stupidest things I've seen in a superhero movie ever. Hey, they're just trying to be different. No, that's not <laughs> being different. That's being like, hey, remember how there's this actually this character that you like a lot more? Let me show you that guy. It was it was bad. You you know I'm right. You know I don't even know why I'm like blazing you so much. Like it's not even like I mean, I liked it, but I'm not like it's yeah. I'm, no, it's I have definitely I not have, my top fifty. I have that and don't worry, darling, on the same plane. So, you know. which is crazy. It's like sitting next to Faster, starring Dwayne Johnson. It's like, whoa, man, what's going on? Mm. Although it's got some. I mean, it's hey, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, man, has got some good movies, man. Hey, hey, you know what? Two. Two movies nominate two movies that had an actor win best actor. I have it at two and a half. Okay, the Joker and the Whale. So, hmm. I, I just because you got a good performance doesn't mean you're a good film. 
Yeah. I would say Joker is somewhat unique in that the movie is literally Joaquin Phoenix. Like there's, it's on purpose that it's just him. But I guess there are other performances in that. Yeah, but... The Whale is the same thing where it's pretty much just Brendan Fraser. Yeah. So. Which I have yet to see. I don't think it's available anywhere. No, I had to pay for it, which is probably why it has also as low a rating as it does, because <laughs> I was so upset by how bad it was. It's just, I, it befuddles me that that movie was like well-received. Yeah, it's a, wow. 3.7. Sadie Sink, Sadie Sink in one of the all-time worst, I hate my dad because I'm an angsty teenager performances ever. It's <laughs> unbearable. Her character's unbearable. Bro, you got uh, it. It's just you got to get Aronofsky made Black Swan and the Wrestler, and then he made Noah and this. Like the duality of man. That's all I gotta say. Sadie Sink is still recovering from the just broken bones in Stranger Things. Yeah, you gotta you gotta let wow. her recover. Spoiler alert for Stranger Things season four. So that came out like two years ago. I was definitely last year, beginning yeah. of last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. We'll forgive you. But hey, actually, I'm actually okay because most people probably don't know the actress's name or the actor's name, so that may That's not give true. anything up. That's true. It's the redhead. That's... Oh, <laughs> you should end this well... podcast before I start just ruining oh everything. We just gotta Wait, I wanna... go. We gotta go. I want to do one more crazy thing. Give me your okay. top three, three, two, one of 2023. Your movies. We My probably already three. know one, but I'm curious Jeez. what three and two are. Yep. Okay, so number one is going to be a little film on Apple TV Plus called Ghosted. <laughs> Too not much. This has been what do you want to? <laughs> oh, Ghosted. Ghosted is on the short list for worst movies I've ever laid eyes on. It's it is wow. It's actually it, a prestige looked, list to hit. It looked it looked like it was filmed um, by AI. It looked like it was made by Jet, Chat GPT. Like I, I what's I the Oh, iMovie? It's like someone made it on yeah. iMovie. <laughs> well, yeah. The it, the worst wig I've ever seen in a film for Ana de Armas, and none of the CGI was even a little bit believable. All right. Sorry. Top three. I think number one, you were right. It's across the Spider-Verse. Number Same. two, I would say, is probably Evil Dead Rise for me. And then number three... Scream 6. I, uh, Scream 6 or John Wick 4, which is just telling you about the state of movies that every single one of these is a sequel. But Scream 6. I think I'm going to go Scream 6. Uh, okay. just to, I'm a Scream guy, so I'm mm-hmm. going have to have to go there. What about you? Okay. One, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. That we've, yeah, obvious. Yep. Two yeah, for obvious. me, because this is held here, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Okay. I still have that bad boy at a four and a half, and I, 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 I think it Respect might stay. It. I don't know. Respect yeah. it. And coming at number three, and I don't. This may catch you off guard. Air. Really? Okay. Yeah. 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 Really works for me. Air really works for me. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Respect uh, it. And that's sitting right there at a three. So. David and big Ben Affleck probably, guy. Always known that. About oh yeah. Him. And I'm kind of a sucker for Jason Bateman too. So. And definitely, definitely a sucker for Jason Bateman. Do we think come August 1, those three movies on both of our lists will be replaced? All three of them? I don't think all three. Spider Across the Spider-Verse will probably stay. Um, but I have a feeling that, yeah. I, I've already decided yeah. that Barbie is the greatest film I've ever seen, um, even though I haven't seen it yet. 
So, I, David, if that movie's we, bad, I'm going to be inconsolable. <laughs> I, I, I do not know. Uh, I will not be able to get up and go to work the next day. Like, I just, there's no way. I have to see this on a Friday, so I have a two-day buffer before anybody can talk to me. Especially after Thor, Love, and Thunder, and then Don't Worry, Darling. And then, I feel like those two specifically, you are so high I on. I get and disappointed it's just... again. I, Greta can't. Greta, Greta can't. You know, a lot of people didn't enjoy the film White Noise, um, which Greta Gerwig starred in. Uh, and I did. And so I've just decided that even if everybody's like, this movie sucks, maybe I'll just go against the grain. Maybe it'll be like, no, Greta Gerwig's actually a, the true visionary. Um, and yeah. you're all possessed I mean, by robots. You know, so. If anyone knows me, they know for a fact, and you know for a fact. If Oppenheimer's Oppenheimer not one, will be getting be inconsolable. <laughs> it, op, I will give Oppenheimer a four and a half or five. I think we already know that. No <laughs> yeah. matter what, it's just going to happen. And because of that, you're going to give Oppenheimer a, just a four, just a okay four out of five. And we just okay. Know first it. of all, a four is not okay. Second of all, I think at minimum. The the floor for Oppenheimer is three and a half stars because there's he literally detonated a nuclear bomb for this movie, which we're gonna see on know. film. And so I there I can't get lower than that. I just have to respect the gravitas there, and I have to have to give it at least a three and a half stars. I don't know, David. I'm just happy for both of us that we're just getting movies tailored specifically for our interests this summer. On the same mm. weekend, yeah, we could even enjoy together. We could do the one for you, one for me. You know, that's that's just what mm. we're doing. It's a great time. You scratch to be your alive. back, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You know, yeah, come yeah. on, that's a little too intimate for me. Uh, see, we're gonna need a seat buffer, but okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I get, yeah, we can do that. That's for sure. Um, yeah. But okay. uh, oh man, I'm so excited, and uh, I think can't get here soon enough. We uh, actually talking today we're about to go see asteroid city excited for that apparently it's wes anderson's best movie yet in quote um that's just been all over twitter and it's just something okay. i could not avoid all right so i'm excited I, I have doubts because grand budapest hotel and moonrise kingdom exist but sure okay our fire yeah that's a very tall yeah. task to 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 get but uh, a lot of movies um, i'm a west guy so i'm there i'm there mm. big wesley man also, the fact that he has like 18,000 A-list actors in this movie. Yeah, clearly everybody likes him because they keep showing up to be in his movies. So. Absolutely. So, yeah. cool. Hey, anything else you want to dip your toes in? Uh, unless we want to just start hearing my takes about, you know, um, I don't know. I, I could just go really into the dregs about Polish cinema in the 1990s. We should probably just end this podcast. Uh, this has been What Do You Want to Watch? Um, hosted by David and Nathan. Uh, you have been listening to it. We've been talking about it. And I am ending this ASAP because I don't think any of us want to hear that. So, See y'all. Yeah, so, the, so the three colors trilogy is actually just very important into world cinema.